Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Our text for our sermon is recorded in the Gospel history according to St. Matthew in chapter 20, verses 17 through 28. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, Look, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the experts in the law. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock, flog, and crucify him. On the third day he will be raised. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling and asking something of him. He said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Promise that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and one on your left hand. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, We are. He said to them, You will indeed drink my cup, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not for me to give. Rather, these places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard this, they were angry with the two brothers. But Jesus summoned them and said, You know that the rulers of the nations lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It will not be that way among you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you will be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the gospel history of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, have you walked down the toilet paper aisle since the coronavirus came to America? It's empty. You can't get any. That's quite strange considering the fact that the coronavirus does not impact your bowels. It is a respiratory virus. Why are people hoarding toilet paper? Ultimately, for whatever reason, one person started grabbing it and then others followed and all they could think of was themselves, brothers and sisters in Christ. See, it actually is serving your fellow man to say, I only need one package for now and I will leave the rest for the next person. But when the next person comes along, if they say, I'm going to grab three packages, it's all ruined. Everybody will hoard. Why do people hoard? Because they have a sinful nature. We tend to think of our sinful nature by the sins that happen, and we forget that the sinful nature begins with, we can't see the world through any eyes but our own. And that we tend to be selfish and look out for number one. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in a time of a virus like this, true love will serve others. But instead, we've gone from hoarding toilet paper to hoarding paper towels to hoarding Kleenexes to hoarding canned goods and constantly hoarding food in a country where we don't need to hoard food. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in our text today, Christ talks about drinking a cup and he talks about servitude. Now, a cup in the Old Testament and the New Testament often is something that's filled up that you have to drink either to fill up your stomach and to satisfy you or to satisfy something else. And the cup of servitude would be actually asking, how do we show love for God, our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, according to the first table of the Ten Commandments, and how do we show love for our neighbor as we love ourselves? And isn't that servitude showing that love? We don't want to do that. And so today we'll ask the question, how can you drink the cup of servitude? And brothers and sisters in Christ, 
To answer how we can drink the cup of servitude, we have to understand that we don't want to. We have to understand that we won't. We have to understand that we were born slaves to sin, death, and the devil. We have to understand that our sinful nature will believe and do anything but show love for God, which is then shown when we show love for our neighbors. And so we have to understand what has freed us from that slavery. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside and on the way he said to them, look, we're going up to Jerusalem. The son of man will be handed over to the chief priests and experts in the law. They will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock, flog and crucify him. On the third day, he will be raised. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that title, the son of man, is a title Jesus uses that shows that God became man in order to serve mankind. This is not the first time, nor is it the last time, that Jesus would tell the disciples that he was going to Jerusalem to die. It should not have come as a shock to them when they found him on the cross. They should have remembered his words. He's going to raise. This is going to be all right. But why, brothers and sisters in Christ? Why did God become a man? Why was God willing to be mocked, flogged, and crucified? It's because, brothers and sisters in Christ, you and I are slaves. Just as verse 28 tells us in our text, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. His life is a ransom to free you from slavery to your sinful nature, to sin to the devil. Christ fulfilled his own righteous demands for holiness by drinking down the cup of the punishment that your and my sins deserve. And we can comprehend the pain in being mocked and flogged, I've never had nails driven through my wrists and feet, but I think I can somewhat imagine the pain in that. But the thing that we cannot imagine, and it was probably had to be the worst thing Jesus had on his mind the night that he's betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prays, Father, if it be your will, may this cup be taken from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. The cup he was talking about that he had to drink to the fill was satisfying his own holiness, God's holiness, against unholiness. If you mix holiness with unholiness, you have unholiness. Unholiness has to be destroyed. And so Christ had to suffer for your and my sins, for your and my unholiness, and he selflessly did that. God became your servant, not just by living roughly 33 years of his life to be your righteousness and credit you with his righteousness, but he had to remove your sin. And so there on the cross, God abandons God. And he abandons God for the eternity of hell that every one of your sins and my sins deserves. And what blows my mind is he's able to do it in three hours time because he's not a mere man. He's the God man. The cup that Christ drank from and he drank it to its emptiness. He drank it taking on the full punishment of your and my sins. He drank it to fully satisfy his own holiness so that he could remove our unholiness, our sins. And this has freed us from slavery. The cup Christ drank from is your freedom, your salvation. So how can you drink the cup of servitude? You have to know the cup that Christ drank. And that is the punishment your and my sins deserve so that he could free us from the control of our sinful nature. See, the world looks at God and it says, oh, this, you've got to be nice and love God and you've got to love your neighbor. All that, that looks like servitude. That looks like slavery to me. And they miss the fact that they're actually in slavery. 
Their sinful nature will lead them around to do whatever it wants because it's the puppet of Satan. Jesus did not pay, did not drink the cup so that he could pay for your sins to Satan. No, he took you back from Satan. He drank from the cup to fulfill God's holiness that he could remove your unholiness. So you have now been taken from being a slave to the devil under the control of your sinful nature so that you don't have a free will. You are going to do what displeases God. And you have been made a prince or a princess in God's kingdom. And now you can do what you were not free to do before. We may love our children and our brothers and sisters, but can you love a stranger? Can you, would you be willing to serve them? Would you be willing to say, I got one more roll of toilet paper in my house and you obviously need this four pack. Would you be willing to say, tell you what, I'll buy the pack. I'm going to get two rolls and I'm going to give you two rolls and, and pray that when I come back in a couple of days, I'll be able to get some more. The only way we're willing to set aside our selfishness and our self-preservation is when we understand we have been preserved for all eternity in Christ. We've been set free. We have been freed so that we now are free to serve by loving God and love our neighbors as ourselves. So that gets us into knowing the cup Christ gives you to drink. And that begins at verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling and asking something of him. He said to her, what do you want? She said to him, promise that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and one on your left hand. Now, we can miss what this meant in the days of kings in the biblical days. The guy who sat at the king's right hand was the general, the top general, the general who had control of all the army. When he gave a command, the army followed it through. The only person who could override the general was the king himself. And the guy who sat at the left hand of the king was his chief advisor. This was the brain power. And the only person who had the ability to override this intelligent man's advice was the king himself. These were positions of power and prestige. And isn't that truly what we want? Sadly, these are Christian men who allowed their mother to say this because they wanted it. Lord, give us positions of power and prestige. They missed it. He said he's going to Jerusalem to die and rise again. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to conquer the Romans is what they heard in their confirmation bias. And what they desire then is when you've taken over this world and given it a worldly kingdom, we want power and prestige. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ had already promised the 12 apostles would sit on thrones, but ruling in Christ's kingdom is not like ruling on this earth. Now, if you deny that we have a sinful nature and you think that what you want in this world is not power and prestige and money that goes with it, obviously, let me ask you this question. If you have children and one of your children came to you and said, you know, mom or dad, I want to be a janitor. I want to be a janitor because diseases like the coronavirus are stopped when people clean up and sanitize. God truly works through janitors. And that's what I'm going to study and work hard to be. The best janitor I can be. I've just told you janitors are very important. But most parents would say, oh, no, no, no. Be a doctor or a lawyer. Not be a doctor or a lawyer so that you can study viruses like this and save lives. Be a doctor or a lawyer so that you can make more money. So that you can have power and prestige. So I can brag about how great my kid is. 
I got to tell you, in the years I've been in the ministry, I've been very frustrated when I've seen a child who had the gifts to be a pastor, to serve in the pastoral ministry or other ministries, but especially the pastoral ministry. And you go to the parents and you say, I would really appreciate it if you would help me encourage your child to be a pastor. Oh, why would I do that? I've heard him say in one form or the other. There's no money in that. Oh, why would I do that? I've seen the way people beat up on, on their spiritual leaders. They don't appreciate them. Why would I encourage my child to endure our sinful nature trying to beat him around? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to understand the cup that Christ gives us to drink. And it's not the power and prestige of this world. It's a totally different kind of power. And in verse 22, Jesus answers, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? They said to him, We are. He said to them, You will indeed drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and on my left hand is not for me to give. Rather, these places belong to those whom they have been prepared by my Father. Jesus is in his state of humiliation. He's not using all the powers of his godhood. So I, I can't give these places until I confer with my Father. Everything I do is within my Father's will. Now, I suspect we're never told who these places are for. I suspect, as I already said, since Jesus said the 12 apostles would, would have th thrones, that it was not meant for just one person to be at his right and at his left. We're not told, so we'll let Scripture tell us what we do need to know. He says, will you drink of my cup? And they said they can. The cup Jesus is talking about is Jesus had to endure the hatred of the Sanhedrin so that he could save us. That's what he used to put us on the cross. And because you are now his lamb, you will endure the hatred of those who cannot stand the fact that there is a loving God who has saved them. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, James will be the first of the apostles to die a martyr's death. John will be the only one of the apostles to die of natural causes. But as he writes in Revelation, he calls himself a co-sufferer. He writes Revelation at the age of 90-something. He's exiled on the island of Patmos because he would not deny his Lord. Drinking the cup Christ gives us to drink means that we must pick up a cross. And we miss how that can be serving others out of God's love. It goes like this. None of the apostles, after they ran at the night in the Garden of Gethsemane, none of the apostles would ever deny their Lord again. And that's all they had to do to save their lives was to offer a pinch of incense to Caesar and pray to him as God and, and maybe hand over their scriptures and deny the Lord. But they wouldn't. They knew they'd seen the resurrected Lord and they were going to serve God showing love for him by not denying him. And even when they were brought before a bunch of pagans who hated them for being Christian... They ended up serving their neighbor because they would not deny their Lord. The Romans even wrote, there's something about how these Christians, we put them before lions, we light them up as torches, and yet they died peaceful deaths. And the witness they left behind showed a love for God because God had loved them. And others began to wonder, what is it about this Christianity? And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, know the cup Christ gives you to drink. People might not appreciate that you have been given a cup to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. That janitor who I mentioned who goes in to clean the school may themselves get coronavirus, and yet they are bringing such tremendous glory to God by serving Him, especially if they're a Christian and they understand it's what God has called them to do. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the other ten 
are not spared this. We're told, when the ten heard this, they were angry with the two brothers. Seems they were upset because they didn't think of it first. But Jesus summed them and said, You know that the rulers of the nations lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It will not be that way among you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you will be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Slavery to us doesn't seem like a good thing. But here Jesus is saying, if you want to be great in my kingdom, greatness doesn't come with the exercise of power and authority. The prestige of this world is not prestige in my kingdom. It comes from being able to love your neighbor so much that you will say, I'm out of Kleenexes, I'm out of towels, I I can use a handkerchief. You can have the last box of Kleenexes. That seems like servitude to the world. It's freedom in Christ. Because you will not serve with that unless you have been freed to struggle against your sinful nature, unless you've been freed from slavery to the devil. You are now a prince or princess in his kingdom, and you now serve voluntarily, not forced to. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, when it comes to God's kingdom, it's not greatness through service. Greatness is service. In fact, For example, in Jesus' parable where he entrusts the ten talents to one man, five to another, and one to the last guy, and he comes back and the guy made ten talents more, and the other guy made five more, and the one guy said, yeah, I buried my talent because I know you're a hard man. That parable makes it very clear to us that there's going to be some kind of degrees of glory in heaven, but they're not going to be sinful. And the irony is, if you're able to serve the Lord, it's because God has given you the gifts to do that. He must give us the faith. So we want to be very careful that we're not the boss of each other. I always get weary, especially in definitions of the pastoral ministry, in which the authority doesn't come from the Word of God, because you have just as much authority as I do, so long as you're standing on the Word of God. The authority comes from the Word of God. But when it comes from the office itself, because then pastors become dictators or other positions in the church. And we want to remember what the Apostle Paul warns us about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3-4. through 4. We have to remember that the Apostle Apostle Paul calls the Antichrist the man of sin. So we're told, Let no one deceive you in any way, because that day will not come until the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of destruction. He opposes and exalts himself above everyone who is called God or every object of worship, so that he sits in the temple of God displaying himself as God. Do you see how the man of sin here elevates himself above everything else? I'm the boss. That power and prestige? Yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, when we turn around and we want to start bossing other people around in our congregations and stuff, we're doing nothing less than showing the spirit of the Antichrist. In such times as the coronavirus striking, I'm not a dictator. Our congregation decided, with as much input as we could, the course that we were going to take. It wasn't, Pastor Sherman told us what to do and we did it. Uh Uh-uh, I'm not a dictator. And that can be very difficult in times when we have those people that that need to be in control. Now, God gives different personalities, and sometimes those people that need to be in control can be quite a blessing. When you have a fire break out in a church, and that person stands up and says, you, you, and you get that door open. You, you, and you go and, and get the fire extinguisher. The women and children, you get out of the church. That's good, but sometimes those same controlling personalities, they want to be dictators in times like this. And We must do this, we must do that, and they forget that they're not the boss, 
They're supposed to have a servant's attitude, and that's where true glory comes. Do we trust in Christ enough that we will show His love to a world that's panicking, that has forgotten there's a God? Will we be gentle with those who are weak? The Christian church throughout history has faced plagues. And Christians often were the ones who were willing to stay behind and serve those who were infected. And sometimes those Christians often even got the infections themselves and died. But they shared the word of God. They shared God's love. And those who were infected were brought to faith by their sharing the word because they loved. Are we willing to think about others first? and set our own selfish needs aside in a time like this, you can only do that when you are set free from the slavery of the sinful nature. And so as we look at the coronavirus, there is a tremendous comfort. I pray I don't get it and that you don't get it. But if I do, I am comforted that heaven is mine. And in the meantime, I will serve those in the way God has called me to serve. I will show His love as you will, because we've been empowered, we've been set free. We are now Christ's brothers and sisters. We are royalty. And so we are now free to turn around as Christ did and put on the servant's robe and be willing to wash the feet that Christ did. Be willing to share with others. How can you drink the cup of servitude? Know the cup Christ drank. It set you free. And know the cup Christ gives you to drink. He has poured his love into your heart and he calls you in your various locations and vocations to share his love. Share his love, showing love to God, and by doing so, sharing his love with others. Amen. And now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. As our society continues to deal with the spread of the coronavirus, please join me in a prayer to our Lord concerning that coronavirus. Lord of lords, you assure us that there will be famines, plagues, and wars right up until the time that you return as king of kings. We thank you that you also assure us that you remain in control and even use these to serve your good and gracious will to the benefit of all who love you. Therefore, we ask you to protect our congregation during this dangerous time and to use each one of us as your mouthpiece to calm the fears of those who do not know that you are in control. Help us to show your love and generosity in this time when others are selfishly hoarding supplies for themselves. We ask you to guide doctors, scientists, and others throughout the world that they may find a cure to defeat this virus. We boldly ask you that chloroquine proves to be the life-saving drug that it appears to be. You have given us a tremendous opportunity to proclaim your grace during this outbreak, and so we ask you to embolden each of us to do so. Bless our efforts to proclaim your word through our website and let it bring your comforting assurance to our members as well to many others, both in our city, in our state, in our country, and in the world. Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask you to give an extra measure of your Holy Spirit that through Christians, your children, you may show your love to the world in this dark hour. Amen.